0: So I'm going on secondhand information because I, I was on social media on the subway while all the pomp and circumstance of opening day was going on. But from what I understand, if we were ranking the ovations for Mets players, and this is before their 9-4 win against the Cardinals today, uh, David Wright had the loudest ovation today before the game. That's cool. And, you know, that's, that's a cool moment because we were, Talking about a little bit last night, you know, who are going to get the big cheers, uh, who might get booed, and, you know, Yadier Molina, I'm sure, uh, took the cake for the loudest boos, but we didn't even think about David Wright, you know, and it's a a shame with how long he's been away from this team, or at least unable to play, uh, but, um, you know, he's obviously... You know, been critiqued that you did talk radio and, and we hear, you know, the calls that are, you know, David Wright should give it up and, and all those kinds of things. But it's, um, you know, it's always good to, to know that the vast majority of Mets fans you know, understand, you know, what he's been trying to, to pull through with the spinal stenosis and, and, you know, trying his best to get back out there on the field. So that was certainly cool. Now, if I continue ranking him, so David Wright was probably number one from what I understand, and someone could correct me later. And then Wilmer Flores. Probably number two. That's amazing. All, all because of the tears on the field and then the big home run a couple of nights later, and he's tugging on the Mets jersey. That was it. He just sunk into everybody's hearts with that is he's, he's a good player. He's a fine offensive player. And it sounds like Mickey Calloway is a big fan of him and is going to uh, be, I think he's going to see a lot of playing time, especially over there at first base as the season goes on. And why I love Mets fans and why, you know, this town's the best. If I'm going third, loudest ovation, was it Brian Ciccolo? The new uh, the new trainer for the Mets <laughs> uh, it's like opening day tradition, but now we're, we're mixing it up a little bit, and uh, you know that that was that was fun. Good for uh you know a chuckle when I, again, when I was following online, so I heard that secondhand, So correct me if I'm wrong if I'm ranking these uh, ovations from earlier today. Uh, but eight hundred3 321 the number to get involved on this uh, opening day. Let's go to Peter in Red Bank. How we doing, Peter? What's going on, brother? Everything
1: good? Everything's good, man. I'm, I'm loving the Mets right now. Before I get to the game, um, I saw the pregame with um, you know the whole Rusty Staub thing. You know that was nice, but Keith Hernandez cried like a little baby. I was like, oh, "Come on, are man! Are you
0: kidding me with this? Are you kidding me with this? <laughs> like Keith was very close with Rusty Staub. Rusty was someone that." Uh, you know, really took him under his wing when Keith Hernandez came to New York. I mean, visit him. He's with him this past weekend in the ICU. It's gross, but um, yeah, I mean, Keith was was uh, emotional about it, and you understand. And, and Ron Darling as well. They they told some great stories about Rusty, though. You know, one of the. The baseball stories I enjoyed was, um, you know, John Harper the Daily News asked Ron Darling about Staub that he used to brag about being able to pick up, um, you know, tipped pitches. And, you know, he could read the, the pitchers and, and what was happening with them. And Darling goes, yeah, he would never talk to me about those kinds of things. Now, Rusty Staub loved hitters and, you know, his fellow players. He only liked pitchers. So he, uh, he wouldn't share that kind of information with any pitcher. And apparently he was very tight-lipped with it with other players as well. And he had Keith Hernandez then piped in. And Keith tells a story that Rusty had a little red book where he kept uh, detailed information on all the pitchers that he faced. There are guys going back to the 60s that were in that book And I guess Keith grabbed it for a, had it for a second, was able to skim through it a little bit. And, you know, Keith's like, oh, can I, can I really look at this? And and Rusty says, no, you haven't earned it. But when Rusty retired, he gave the book to Keith Hernandez. And apparently Keith still has that book and yeah, you know, he explained uh facing Ed Whitson that uh you know, Whitson would fan his glove out if he was gonna throw a change up and that, you know, Keith had like three hits that day against Whitson because of that, all against the change ups and you know, he's smiling at Rusty Staub when he's over there at first base. But uh but yeah, I, you know I, uh, to be honest, I didn't know you know that that Staub and you know Keith and Ron you know crossed over that much, but it was uh, it was great hearing their remembrances prior to the game, and obviously, um, no, it's a sad day. It did you know cast uh, a little bit of a pall over the excitement of opening day when I was at the ballpark getting ready and and fired up for the game, and then you see it uh, come across that the Rusty Staub passed at 73 years old. But 800 three two 710 We'll dare to go back to the phones here. Brian and MassBeth. What's up, Brian?
2: Hey, uh, well, I mean, speaking of last call, I guess they've never been to a wake or a funeral. Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, you get on. emotional. But uh, anyway, I mean, I, I want to give a little different perspective. Obviously, I'm a Mets fan, and I'm happy that they're, they're 1-0, but yeah. very disappointed in the crowd today. I mean, I don't know if people were just stuck on lines at the bathroom or getting the new food, you know, but... To me, it looked like it was never more than half full. Right. Man. Well, I, I can
0: only go by the attendance figures. I wasn't in the ballpark during the game. Come it on. was the third most attended regular season game in city field no, history. No. So the, I guess you, the tickets yeah, but, were bought. Now, did the weather right.
2: keep people away? Uh, you know, right, you tell me, Brian. Right, right. right. No, but exactly. You know, the tickets were bought, of course. The tickets were bought months, years ago, probably. But in terms of actual people there, I I, I was born in 82, I'm 35 years old, Mm -hmm. and that was the worst opening day I've ever seen in my life in terms of fan and the energy. People keep talking about the energy. Yeah, it It didn't get loud, in your opinion? There was no energy in there. It was dead. It was dead. And I mean, you know, maybe because Syndergaard gave up some runs early, and you know, but... It was the worst that I've seen in in twenty years.
0: Well, uh, you know, I I can't. I wasn't at the park, so I'll, I'll go by you guys if you don't think the energy was where it needed to be. I, I know Mickey Callaway complimented the energy, but you know, this would be his first uh, home opener with the uh, with the Mets. I was there prior to the game, and uh, you know, I, I wouldn't call it as festive and, and, and as excited as it was last year when I was there, or two years ago when they were coming off a World Series appearance. But I. I also think, you know, at least for our perspective before the game, the, the weather played a role in that. It had just finished raining a couple minutes early, so it's tough to go by that. But um, that's all I know is you know a lot of tickets were sold and and you guys tell me and and we all know City Field people are walking around it's never going to look like say Shea Stadium looked where everybody's sitting in their seats and when it's sold out you don't see you know any seat bottoms you're always gonna have people walking around uh, at City Field that's what you're uh, you're judging it off of uh, Ari in Far Rockaway what's up Ari
3: Hey Pete nice to speak to you again how you doing how was your off season Yeah
0: everything's great how about you
3: Yeah Good. Nice to speak Mets baseball again, you know? Yeah, baby. All right. So I know I preached a lot of this uh, over the Terry Collins era, but it's so nice to finally see some patience at the plate and hitting for contact as opposed to, oh, we're just a power team, so now we can't hit. It's such a nice, refreshing uh, thing to see, and it was really a great game today. And, you yeah, know, I didn't really – you know, I gave up those runs, but to see the way they were just making contact was really nice. And Ploiecki is a nice surprise. I don't know. Do you think he's going to be one of those uh, Turners or Murphys that the Mets actually keep?
0: <laughs> well, let's not go crazy here and uh, you know put him in MVP <laughs> discussions, but I, I've I'm said this for MVP, the last three or four weeks. Know. From what I have saw, a in spring training September of last year, I think he's getting the majority of the playing time behind the plate.
3: Yeah, and I'm, and I think he's better defensively too.
0: Yes, yes. And we didn't see, you know, the Cardinals trying to steal bases uh, on Noah. We didn't see, you know, Plawecki tested today in that way. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not Yadir Molina back there behind the plate, but he's a solid defensive catcher. I liked the moment in spring training where Syndergaard was scuffling in a start against the Nationals, and Syndergaard said after the game that Plawecki came out and gave him a kick in the butt. And, uh, you know, or made a mechanical point. But whatever he did, because uh, Ploiecki played it down, it got Syndergaard settled and he struck out like the next seven batters or whatever it was against the Nationals. But that's that's something you have to be able to do as a catcher. you got to know when your pitcher needs a timeout, needs a breather, needs an adjustment, needs a kick in the butt, whatever the heck it is. And, you know, that's something that maybe Ploiecki is able to bring to the table. And, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of that over the years. And I know, you know, they've had young catchers and young pitchers. But, um, you know, for Pluecki, that that's a nice moment where you could go up to the, you know, the ace of the staff or at least the guy with the best stuff and, you know, give him a, a kick in the pants and get him moving in the right direction. That that's a big plus for me. So I I'm intrigued by Pulawski. I really am. I, I didn't think the Mets needed to go out and sign Jonathan Lucroy this offseason, coming off you know a real lousy season both offensively and defensively last year. Because I think I want to see what Kevin Ploiecki can do there. And, you know, Darnot, we've seen a lot of him over the years. Uh, but, you know, there's still offensive potential in that bat. It's been a couple of years since we've seen it. But Ploiecki's the guy that I'm uh, pretty optimistic about what he'll be able to do behind the plate. Jeff in Fort
3: Lee. What's up, Jeff? Peter, what's going on, man? How we doing? Good. You know, I got a, your T-shirt a few, weeks, uh, a few months ago. And I want to thank you for that. Oh, um, good. Yeah, good enjoy stuff. the shirt. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, you know, for the fan that was complaining about no one in the seats, everyone was walking. There, there was long concession lines, okay. long bathroom lines, and long people. A lot of lines getting food. Okay. So- you know that—that's where the people were. Trust me, it, it, there wasn't an, an empty person in that stadium.
0: All right, um, opening day at the ballpark. I mean, that's City Field. It, it is. You know, if you haven't been to City Field a whole lot, and uh, you know, it's, it opened up its tenth year uh, today. But um, yeah, that—that's—that's that's what happens. It's like a mall. People are moving around while they're there.
3: Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. I miss the old Chase Stadium where it was just packed like a like you know what. And um, well,
0: those big games, you know, people do sit in the seats, but we've got to reach. Once it. we
3: get to the playoffs, right? Yeah. You know, Peter, I have two two points I want to mention to you. You started out by saying it's nice to see not relying on the home run, heading to contact, and all that. Then you bash Adrian Gonzalez, saying, "Oh, you want to see him hit for power?" So you yeah. can't, you know you have to. I, I'm 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 much happier seeing the team just get 20 hits without home run, and just and walks. That, you know that's what the '90 Yankees used to do. That's, no, but that's to win. me, to
0: me, the guys that are the contact guys, they're Nimo. Uh, Ahmed Rosario with the speed that he brings to the table. You know, those are the guys that I want to see hitting for contact. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez or anybody who's starting at first base, I want to see some pop at that position. Adrian Gonzalez, you know, he's, he's a base clogger, you know, and and getting on base is good. It's a positive. I'm just saying it doesn't mean as much at that position to me. I want to see some pop there. I, I think you have a hard time winning in baseball in 2018 if you get a first baseman that's only capable of hitting 10 homers. So that's, Peter, that's what I want to see. I,
3: the other thing I wanted to mention, Peter, is I think the Mets will go very far if Nimmo is going to be a real-deal leadoff hitter mm-hmm. and and uh, Rosario is the real deal at shortstop. And like you said, Pulecki behind the plate because that's our youth. And once Conforto comes back, you know, I, I didn't think we were going to be as good as possible. But, I mean, if our youth really plays to their potential – I mean, I think we could be pretty scary. What do you think about that? Yeah, Thanks.
0: there's talent and I, I think that's a good point, Jeff. Uh there's talent on this baseball team. There's some young talent on this baseball team. Uh last year there was talent there, but there wasn't as much depth as at least I thought there was at the start of the season. And once guys started dropping, boy, you know, all of a sudden Adam Wilk is starting games for you. Uh for the for the Mets this year. Nimmo's going to be on the bench in like a week or two when Michael Conforto comes back. They're going to have to find at-bats for Brandon Nimmo. Uh, they have to find at-bats right now for Wilmer Flores, who's a good offensive piece. Uh, Robert Gassellman is pitching out of the bullpen for this team right now while Zach Wheeler is at AAA. So, you know, there's some more depth on this team than we've seen in the past, and you know, they'll, they'll need it at some point. 162 games, they'll need it. 800 321 710. We'll take some more calls following the Mets' 9 4 opening day victory against the St. Louis Cardinals. It's a sports zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 W O R. We're back in the W O R sports zone with Pete McCarthy. The Mets, a 9-4 opening day win against the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster, coming up at 6.35. It's a new podcast that he's hyping up, the Daily Mets Podcast, another place to get your Mets fix. So we'll let him sell that a little bit, get some of his thoughts on opening day and all that goes along with it. And let's grab some more calls here. Again, 800 321 Kevin in
4: Connecticut. How are we doing, Kevin? Pretty good. I got to go back to this guy uh, with the Keith Hernandez. Oh
0: front. gosh!
4: You know, you know how many times I've heard Keith on on the broadcast talk about uh, he hated New York, and you know Rusty took him under his wing, and Rusty showed him the town, and he began mm-hmm. to love New York. And that goes directly into him staying and us winning the only World Series of my lifetime. That's a great point. Oh, so if, if Keith Hernandez wants to cry about a great. Friend who, who who showed him everything about baseball in New York, then he could cry all day long if he it, it, it's, yeah, I no, no, it's, no it's,
0: human it's, being uh, listens or, or sees. You know, Keith Hernandez today and has that thought. It's just people that want to say dumb things on the radio to judge, a, get a reaction, and I uh, wouldn't. Oh, and take it too seriously because I mean, clearly, uh, anybody who's lost a friend—my goodness—if you start talking about it in front of a microphone, in front of a lot of people, and you're trying to explain why this man was so impactful and meaningful in your life, and and beyond that, in a huge way, in the case of Rusty Staub, uh, who amongst us wouldn't get uh, emotional there? So it's 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 nonsense, Kevin.
4: Exactly. But one one other point—I mean, I jumped in the car, you know—I couldn't wait to you know jump on and listen and hear about the great win. I got a guy calling about. Empty seats. Another guy talking about, uh, you know, uh, Hernandez. You know. Hey, baby, welcome to the Sports Zone. were we talking about ten
2: strikeouts.
4: He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> was good, huh? It was good, man. I look. I mean, I was at work. I was trying to catch a little bit here and there. Yeah. Not that that home run from Yadier was like it was like a pop fly and yeah. it like drifted out. So I'm not too too concerned about that. I'm
0: telling you, this will like, be one of the worst stat lines that Cindergaard has all year four runs allowed in six innings and a couple of home runs. It w- will be. That's how good Noah Syndergaard is. And and today, yeah, Molina, you know, let Syndergaard supply all the power and pops it off the foul pole on a tough pitch. Uh, Martinez, Jose Martinez at Syndergaard's number today. I did enjoy Syndergaard after the game, if you didn't catch this, that uh, with Martinez, that Syndergaard was kicking himself for allowing Martinez to get too comfortable at the plate. And that won't happen again. And we know Syndergaard, he'll send a message, did it in the World Series. Dave Island, his new pitching coach, even though he's the pitching coach of the Royals at the time, has talked many times now that he loved what Syndergaard did, that he was laughing in the dugout as the Royals players are all going nuts at Syndergaard for throwing high and tight on Escobar. But that's something that Mickey Calloway and Dave Island want to instill in these Mets pitchers, to throw inside, to make sure the opponent isn't comfortable and, you know, I don't I don't know exactly when it'll be the next time Cindergaard and Jose Martinez will see each other, but that'll be an at-bat I want to see. And does he brush him back? Does he, he pitch inside? You know, because uh, he, he tried to send a message after the game tonight. That was for sure. Uh, 800-321-0710. Robert in Sayville. How are we doing, Robert?
4: Brushing back. Hey, man, Chief. This is Robert from Sayville. And Robert from Sayville thinks that the crowd at City Field today was pretty good. I uh, caller a couple times ago thought the crowd wasn't too good, but Robert from Sable thinks that the crowd is uh, unbelievable. Everybody's here everyone has hope. Robert from Sable has hope for the Mets in 2017 and really thinks we can make a playoff run.
0: All right. Well, Robert and Sable, I appreciate the call. Pete McCarthy appreciates the call. I screwed it up there. But uh, we're, having some, we're having some fun today with the phone. Should we go to another phone call? Do, do we dare? Do we keep this rolling? I like that one. Robert and Savelle had some creativity. That was some fun, at least. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Matt in Mastic Beach. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on? Hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. Well, we're party time. We're at a tailgate, Matt. We're having a show, baby. Under the, uh, the New York Mets. Maybe they are underrated. I think Vegas is underrating the Mets with that over-under. I think that's the case. Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster. When we come back, uh, also Sal Licata will be popping in at seven o five to give his take on opening day for the Metropolitans, a nine four win. It's a Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York, seven ten W O R.
3: Hey guys, pardon the advertising interruption to your radio program. Do yourself a favor and please listen carefully. If you have tried or wanted to try.
4: We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Opening day in the
0: books for the New York Mets. They're able to put up nine runs against the Cardinals' staff. uh, You know, in a game started by Carlos Martinez today, pretty impressive. Uh, So, a, a nice win to start off this run of. 162 games that we see uh, every year uh, get things going here. We we'll bring on right now uh, Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster, and as you might have heard on the uh, broadcast today, Josh will be starting a new podcast called the Daily Mets Podcast, and, and here's uh, a sense of how it's gonna kick off and get going. <laughs>
4: It's your daily mess podcast. It's your daily mess podcast. Oh,
0: you even a, a song, Josh? You, you some like singers? That? that is nice. That is, is catchy.
1: I feel like Kirk Cousins right there. You like that? <laughs> Don't mention that, New <laughs> no, York. No more Cousins. I know. Sorry. We're on no. to the next guy. We're <laughs> yeah, on to your boy,
0: Josh Rosen. Let's go.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, <laughs> we're excited about the podcast project for sure. The first one dropped uh, during the game today. It's a little. Uh, well, that's evergreen enough, that I think you still might enjoy it, and uh, we'll have fresh content not only tomorrow, Pete, but literally every single day, Saturdays and Sundays and holidays, and no matter what, we're kind of like the the u s mail It says hopefully you know slightly better and uh, we'll 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 get you the uh, the content that you need. It's basically all the all the stuff that we didn't get in the broadcast that we'd like to get in the broadcast. We're gonna to push it into the broadcast on this podcast, so a lot of uh, interviews that never made air, a lot of information about the game that just happened that didn't make air, and a preview of whatever's coming up next. And for now, the easiest way to go get it is just go to iHeart.com, and they give you that little search engine thingy uh, in the upper right-hand corner. Just type in Daily Mets Podcast, and it should come right to you. And uh, yeah, we're, we're super excited about it, and Obviously excited that the Mets won today,
0: too. Awesome. Yeah, so we kind of get you for a preview of the next podcast here a little bit. But, uh, you know, opening day is always a blast. And, you know, the Mets, they played as clean a baseball game as you could expect. Offensively, there were some fireworks that we didn't see all that often over the course of spring training. And maybe not fireworks, maybe that's not the right word, because it was walks. It, was, it wasn't the home run. Um, you know, what you what were some of your thoughts following this uh, opening day win?
1: Yeah, they, they they kind of bled the Cardinals to death, you know. I mean, they they didn't have like that that one big shot to to put them away, and and that's a great sign because the the criticism of this team is that they're kind of all or nothing, right? That they'll either hit a home run and, and win, or they won't hit a home run and they won't. So they didn't hit a home run today. In fact, they didn't come real close. But uh, Adrian Gonzalez with uh, four times on base and Plawecki four times on base and Nemo same story and. They they just did whatever it took to to kind of outlast Carlos Martinez. He's one of those guys that uh, sometimes he'll he'll beat himself up if you just give him enough uh, enough leeway to do that. And I thought that's exactly what happened today.
0: Well, Brandon Nimmo's been impressive from from spring training on, huh?
1: Yeah, he really has, and it's going to make for an interesting decision oh, if yeah. this continues because Conforto comes back sooner than later. It could be very soon, and I know that they're not. For now, outwardly saying Jay Bruce is going to play some first base. But to me, why would you not do that? Why would you not? I mean, you're not going to sit that, but Conforto is an all-star. And if Nemo is this kind of spark plug, you want him out there. And then of all those guys, one guy, Jay Bruce, can slide over to first base. So I, you know, I don't see that as an impossibility.
0: Yeah, yeah. How long do you think they give, you know, Adrian Gonzalez at first base? What's your be- been in your imp- impression of that? Because it sounds like they want to be patient, but uh, they could have some options that are really intriguing in the not too distant future.
1: Yeah, and good for Adrian to kind of catch fire at just the right time. Sure, he started hitting his stride a bit at the end of spring training, and it's super early, but he's got an 800 on base percentage right now after today. So, uh, you know, Dominic Smith waiting in the wings, and and it's nice to have. Different options, isn't it? The, the Mets can can play this a bunch of different ways, and it's just a, such a far cry from several years ago. The famous Sandy Alderson quote about what outfield, kind of dismissive mm-hmm. about what the Mets had internally, and, and now there's uh, there's an overflow.
0: Yeah, and we're talking again with Josh Lewin, Mets broadcaster, and uh, you know potentially a good problem coming up. You know, what are you hearing about Conforto? Could he be back w- within a, a week as soon as he's eligible to come off the DL on April fifth?
1: Yeah, it really seems like he's pushing that timetable. And, you know, we talked to him way back on February 21st, and he was itchy back then, Mm -hmm. you know. So he's absolutely ready. He feels like he was going to be ahead of that that timetable, and uh, he's worked really hard to to establish that. So I think it's very possible that he comes back within a a week or a week and a half. And, uh, you know, with their having games in places like Miami, to me, if he's ready, it's a nice place to, to kind of break in. It's not going to be a wind chill of 38 or anything mm-hmm. like that. You can kind of use your way back in. And if everything goes the way we hear it's going, maybe that's a possibility.
0: Yeah, it certainly. As we uh, chat again with Josh Lewin right now, um, yeah, how about. You know, I always look for takeaways on opening day, whether you're seeing a guy that, that's impressive and branded Nemo, Kevin Plowiecki would fall into that category with what they did today coming off strong spring trainings. But, you know, the first time we really saw Robert Gesellman as a, a one inning reliever. And, you know, he's hopping, jumping off the mound. Uh, it seems like he is taking to that kind of role for this Mets team.
1: Yeah, he kind of channeled what Noah was doing, and he kept doing it. He struck out the side and was very expressive, and and I love seeing that. Robert's a very chill dude. He's from Southern California and doesn't usually wear his emotions on his sleeve, but I thought that was great to see. And uh, you end up with 15 strikeouts total today. That's a great first step for the Mets no question about it
0: yeah 15 strikeouts one walk and Noah Sindergaard looked like Noah Sindergaard I almost think this will probably be you know one of the five worst lines he'll put up all year if he has that kind of stuff kind of you know maybe a little unlucky or great hitting by Yadier Molina depending on how you want to look at that uh two run homer but if if he's throwing you know sliders like that and 99 miles per hour I don't think there's be too many games where he's giving up more than four runs
1: no, that wasn't even close to Noah's best stuff today, and he still had no walks and 10 strikeouts. And, uh, you know, Molina, tip your cap. There was, there was a pitch that it probably would have been a ball if he hadn't been swinging at it, uh, coming inside at him at 97 miles an hour, and he turned it around and somehow kept it fair but the, the Mets did a lot of impressive things today. It was, uh, I thought, uh, you know, all things considered, but, with, with, you know, the weather could have been worse. A lot of things could have been worse today, and, and they'll take it. Now they've got an off day to celebrate. Yep,
0: and the excitement of opening day, of course, uh, a big part of today, but uh, also you know, remembering Rusty Staub passed away this morning at, at 73 years old. W- what were some things that is, you know, you're hearing stories from Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, um, I'm sure Howie had plenty on the, the broadcast today. What, um... You know, what stuck with you, or, or, or you know, a good story that you heard today about uh, about Rusty?
1: Well, more than that, Pete, I think it was just seeing how profoundly everybody was affected by his passing. And it's not that it was a completely unexpected passing, and, and to hear Keith tell it, because Keith's been in touch and was actually with Rusty as recently as, as Saturday. Uh, you know, it, it was coming, but but it still just hit everybody so hard because he's such a was such a humanitarian and. Meant so much to so many people, and uh, you know, I, I said it on on the air today that you know the irony wasn't lost on me that the the hospital where he passed was called Good Samaritan, and I, I just I can't think of a a better Samaritan than uh, than Rusty, unless it was Ed Charles, you know, who they also had to uh, to mourn the passing of today. It's been a tough few weeks for for Met greatness. But, you know, again, just you know, seeing whether it's Howie or, or Teeth or, or Ronnie or Jay Horwitz and just the way it, it really affected them was, was powerful.
0: Certainly. But, uh, you know, you get the stories, too, and, and really get to remember, you know, all that Rusty did on the field, off the field, uh, the kind of person that he was. And, you know, that's, um, you know, it can be, be fun to, to remember uh, for some, to, to learn for others about, um, you know, the man that, uh, that Rusty Staub was. Uh, but, uh, you know, chat with Josh in here after uh, an opening day win uh, for the New York Mets. And again, check out his new podcast, Daily Mets Podcast, iHeart.com. Do you like you, you can search.
1: Like the crea- you like the creativity
0: of that name, by the way? Daily Mets Podcast? You yeah. nailed it.
1: Yeah. I, I think we said it all. And, and yes, yeah, go to iHeart.com, go into the little search engine there, and just type in those words Daily Mets podcast, and they'll they'll link you up, and uh, yeah, we're we're really excited about it, Pete, so I appreciate you infinite it for us.
0: Well, you're, you're, this is the creativity.
4: This is what it's about. To tell you. It's your daily Mets podcast. It's your daily Mets podcast. It's where you are gonna find out more. what the Mets to doing.
1: The music's the best daily podcast. podcast. I love the
0: song. I love it, Josh.
1: That, uh, that's the band. That's the band Lawrence that did that for us. They're kind of a hot property, so we were lucky to get them.
0: Wow, it's awesome. Well, check it out again. Uh, IHeartRadio dot Josh, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. See you, Petey. Talk to you soon. Right, Josh Lewin uh, with the the Daily Mets podcast that you can check out there, and uh, having the call today on opening day, a win for the Metsies nine to four against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, we'll have Salacata popping into studio coming up at seven o five. We'll get his take uh, on opening day and uh, the fun of uh, of a Mets victory, and we can uh, hit the call hit the phones again as well eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. It's a Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R.
1: We're back in the W.O.R. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. When
0: was the last time two New York teams won on the same day? (laughs) I don't want to do the research on that. But it's probably not as recent as it should be when we have, uh, you know, three local hockey teams and two basketball teams in the area, two football teams as well. But uh, the Mets at opening day victory and uh, the Yankees today – Interesting. As the Mets were wrapping up their win against the Cardinals, John Carlos Stanton homered in his first at bat as a Yankee. John Carlos Stanton has just homered for a second time as a, a New York Yankee. So three for five, three runs, four RBIs in his Yankees debut. They're up 6-1 in the top of the ninth inning. And it's a, a scary, scary combo, uh, as they're showing Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. And for the Mets, you know if you want to consider the... The rivalry against the Yankees is something that you know is important, or they are trying to you know carve out some attention in this town. They got to win some games early, do it to, to get some people going because the hype train is in full effect uh, for what's going on across town. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten Reno on the way home from the game. What's up, Reno? How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thanks. for giving uh, a shout. What's going on?
4: Great day in the park with my son. I, I thought the. Uh... Yeah, electricity was terrific. I have a question though what what's gonna happen when Conforto comes back and I heard you discussing it, but who do they move and who do they uh
3: send down if Conforto comes back up?
4: Well, initially Nimmo will
0: become a fourth outfielder and I would guess if, if you're just saying the back end of the roster, maybe it's Philip Evans that ends up going down, you know, he's the last guy on the position player side of the roster right now, even though he is someone they could play a lot of different positions, but you know, that would be the way it works out initially. And then I think it becomes, how does Adrian Gonzalez hit? Uh, when we look up on May 1st, where is Adrian Gonzalez at? Is he showing a little power? Is he getting on base? Is he a productive offensive player? And if Brandon Nimmo, the Mets feel that Nimmo will be the better player, then maybe you do shuffle the board a little bit and, and get Jay Bruce over to first base. So it'll it'll play out over time, and thanks for the call, Reno. Um, You know, we had, again, Jay Bruce on yesterday and talked to him about first base, and he said all the right things. He'll do whatever the team wants, but I think – you know when you you hear, you know how he said a little bit, it's not ideal for him. It's not, you know, what he is um, you know, really dying to do. He wants to be a, a right fielder, but he'll do what's best for the team. When we had Sandy Alderson on last week, he said that they saw enough of Jay Bruce last season at first base that they feel comfortable with him at the position. They felt they didn't have to see a whole lot of him. At first base, and they didn't want to, you know, give the media something to to latch onto as far as Gonzalez goes. I mean, part of it might be protecting Adrian Gonzalez. Even what Jay Bruce says uh, might be a little bit of that as well. There's a lot of respect for Adrian Gonzalez. He's done a lot in the game. Uh, he's a veteran player. He's had a lot of productive seasons. And the question is at 35 years old, coming off the back issues that he had last year, a not productive offensive season last year, how much does he have left? It's a fair question. And if Brandon Nemo is really coming into his own in the way that he is, that'll be the push. And that's really the decision. That's the competition. Brandon Nemo versus Adrian Gonzalez. Once Michael Conforto um, is able to come back, uh, Jonathan in Brooklyn, how we doing, Jonathan?
3: Hi, good, and you? Thank, you? Thank you for taking my call.
0: Yeah, thanks for giving us a shout. What's up?
3: Hey, I, hey, um, I, I looked on that Twitter yesterday, and one of the biggest
1: uh, controversies against Callaway's lineups today was batting Rosario uh, ninth, but I think it worked out great today. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on it, and do you think it's something that stays...
0: I think it's something that they'll do. And Mickey Calloway said it yesterday that they, they'll do this a little bit. It's not going to be every day, but you're going to see this again. Uh, it'll be up to, you know, Rosario, how he deals with hitting nine. He's not a great on base guy. It's big hits today, though. And when he is on base, he's dangerous. He's what. You know, you the old idea of what a leadoff hitter was, right? Someone who can steal some bases, that can make some things happen. Now in that leadoff spot, it's all about just get on base. Just get on base for the big bats. And uh, that's why Brandon Nimmo fits the leadoff spot perfectly. He's not going to steal a ton of bases, but the guy gets on base. And it's why Rosario in the 9-hole, he may not get on base a ton, but when he does, he's that threat. And you could roll it over a little bit. Yeah, it worked out uh, well today. Uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard had a chance to sacrifice in that eight spot in one inning, didn't get it done, but Rosario picked him up. The next time he did drop down the bunt, moved the runners ahead, and Rosario came through with a two run single. So at least Syndergaard was able to to make up for it, and you do worry about the pitching spot coming up more often in the 8th spot, but if you're going to bat Cespedes 2, it makes sense to have Rosario 9, as long as he handles it well. The other thing Callaway brings up is, you know, for a young guy learning the strike zone, batting 8th in front of the pitcher, it could be real tough. You're going to see a lot of breaking stuff in the dirt, you're going to see a lot of waste pitches, they're going to pitch you extremely tough, so uh, that could benefit Rosario as well. I I think it makes sense. As long as you have a pitcher that can handle the bat a little bit, Noah is certainly that. Uh, DeGrom is certainly that then uh then it works out for you and and matt's too and and probably with those three specifically that's when you'll see rosario hit nine dave and shirley how we doing dave
2: hey how you doing good good what's Uh, going on just uh big r.i.p out to rusty stop i had a a, uh, good opportunity to meet him last year uh in the suite but uh speaking of stiffs what do you think is the biggest step in the midst of all oh, gosh. We're,
0: uh, we're continuing to, uh, to go down this path tonight. But, uh <clears throat> yeah. Uh, 800-321-0710. Um, at 7.05, we'll have Salicata in here. Producer Ray, what's happening, Ray?
3: Well, I mean, it just it seems like people have uh, over-enjoyed themselves
0: maybe with the Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's part of the fun, I guess, of opening day. Some, it of, a it, great some of it's okay, it no. The guy from Saville, I enjoy that. That's fun. But uh, you know, the, the teasing Keith for, you know, crying over his friend or uh, you know, that stuff with Rusty, like come on, this is ridiculous.
3: Pete's always I mean, Keith's always been emotional. I remember hearing him after Gary passed away and they weren't particularly close and and Keith was devastated. Gary
0: Carter. Yeah. yeah yeah uh, you know uh that's what that's why I make that's why Keith's a good broadcaster on the air is because he, he does he says what's on his mind he, you know not that he's emotional during the games a lot but you know he, he tells you what he's thinking and that's that's part of fun of what he does on that TV broadcast is one of the big reasons it works right
3: and that's on right now by the way they just started a little late the Gary Carter documentary which looks i mean from the looks of it it looks phenomenal
0: yeah yeah and, and they had a lot of his family uh in for that Right, uh, any other details you have on that? I know some of the players. Um, you know, guys, they didn't love Gary. You know, Gary Carter was, I guess, in your face friendly in a way that that didn't rub a lot of guys the right way. That you know, they thought he he liked the media a little bit too much and the spotlight. And you know, you, you hear a lot of them talk now, and it just feels like um, a lot of them feel they got that wrong. And they misjudged him you know, early on in his uh, days with the Mets. So that, that part of it will be interesting to me, and I'll get a chance to watch it hopefully when um, when I get home later on tonight. Uh, so we're going until 9 o'clock. Uh, we will have Sal Akata in here coming up as uh, he comes over after, well, he did about 12 hours now in SNY, and he'll come over and do some radio. Multi platform superstar Sal Acata uh, coming up right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's get a news update.